This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and welcome to the Irish Time here on the Manitou People's Radio in Palmerston North. I'm going to be reading a wee bit of news here about, uh, you know, Ireland, North and South. And some of it's interesting, some not so interesting, but you, you, that's just my view. You may be more interested than me. But anyway, here we go. Uh, uh, let's hear it for Ireland. Success for our 100th birthday. We've come a long way. On the, cent- uh, the centenary of the formation of the Irish state, author Mark Henry uh, says Ireland is one of the best countries in which to live today. 100 years ago today, this was last, uh, last weekend, uh, 26 counties of Ireland seceded from the United Kingdom and the Irish Free State was born. Let's take a moment to celebrate our success on our big birthday. <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> Ireland, has not <coughs> pardon, Ireland has not just taken her place among the nations of the world, she's taken her place among the leading nations of the world. We are not really, uh, regularly placed among the top 10 or 20 countries in uh, any league tables where people would like to live. We are one of the most uh, highly educated people. Nearly two-thirds of those aged between 25 to 34 have a, a third-level qualification, university degree. Only Japan, South Korea, Canada and Luxembourg have a higher proportion. We have doubled the number of people in employment over the past 30 years with growth that has exceeded that of uh, practically every other EU country. And more than... Uh, than four in ten of those jobs are highly skilled, can driven to a significant increase in take-home pay over the years, even allowing for inflation. Female participation in the workforce has risen uh, to record levels, aided by post-COVID flex- uh, flexible working arrangements that enabled uh, work-life balance. Ireland is ranked as the ninth best country in the, wor- uh, the world in gender <coughs> equality and is one of only a dozen nations where women have uh, attained gender priority. Priority, yeah, in the law. We have built a well-working modern republic that delivers for its citizens. In fact, we have ranked the seventh and uh, most democratic nation on the planet by the Economist Intelligence Unit. Mm, that's quite a quite a thing to say. And well, if only twenty-one consider that of the other twenty-four, twenty-one full democracies. Our rule of law is judged to be the tenth strongest in any country. Cooperation. Corruption levels are among the lowest anywhere. We have the six freest media in the world. Our personal and economic and uh, human freedoms. Oh, f- human freedoms. It's interesting. Are amongst the greatest anywhere in, on the planet. And we are the third most peaceful place in which to live after Iceland and New Zealand. There you go. Getting a, a plug there, New Zealand. Uh, we have every reason to be proud of what we have achieved. It has been a collective effort by our politicians, civil servants, teachers, health workers, etc., etc., etc. We have grown economically without uh, due uh, problems of the environment, of the environmental uh, impact, you know, climate breakdown. 
uh, resulting in carbon emission levels that are uh, a third highest, I'm only a third highest in the EU and significantly, uh, you know, lower than many other countries. Uh, our housing shortage risks undermining the social cohesiveness that has motivated us to build a society that works for the many, not the few. And government investment in higher education per uh, student is half of what it was before the austerity years, contributing to most of our universities dropping down the global ranking uh, stakes. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, in seeking solutions to address these issues and improving our citizens' quality of life, we should turn to the Nordic countries for inspiration. It is our near neighbours to the north who excel in the global league tables of citizens' well-being. For most of the first, uh, the first century, we were focused on establishing our uh, independence from the UK and obsessed with comparing ourselves to our former lords and masters. Such a comparison today is simply unwarranted. Ireland now surpa- surpasses the UK on what matters. Oh, that's true. Uh, we are also using our success to help the development of other nations. Ireland has been deemed amongst the most uh, goodest, goodest countries in uh, what we have given back to the world. Unusual word, goodness. We are uh, a significant contributor of overseas development and assessment to the world's poorest, and we have an unrivaled role in the United Nations peacekeeping. That's true. Birthdays are a time of celebration and for reflecting our positive attitudes and achievements. Let's celebrate what our country has done for us and what we have done for our country. I've heard that before. And what we have got a lot right, let's take the time today to raise a glass to the success of the Republic of Ireland or Ireland. Yeah, that is really inspirational. And talking about the Republic, this is uh, about, you know, United Ireland. This is from the Prime Minister down there in the south. Uh, He's declared that there's a long way to go to achieve a United Ireland. He's going to be out of the office shortly, and that other guy, his pal Leo, is going to take over because they split the job between them. A new survey also showed a large majority of more than four to one in favour of United Ireland in the Republic. Hmm. Wow. Martin said he is very concerned about learning uh, to uh, share the island with different communities rather than polling the polling uh, fines. Speaking at the second uh, shared island forum in Dublin, uh, in Dublin Castle, uh, Mr. Martin stated that while opinion polls are important research, they will never unite Ireland. He added to me, since the day we signed the Good Friday Agreement, it's been a journey of trying to build reconciliation, mutual understanding, and we have still a long way to go. To some degree, I would agree, but not a long way. Uh, in some respects, I'm not surprised by the opinion polls. What I'm more concerned about is the substance of learning to, uh, to share this island together. We've got to learn to live more confidently together and engage more uh, com- confidently as well uh, in all our aspects of life. The Irish Times opinion poll found that half of all those who responded to the Northern Ireland said they would vote against unity, uh, including 21% of, uh, from a Catholic background. Oh, so that's in the Republic. Only 26% they would vote for unity, with 19% saying they did not know. And there's always the people who don't know. But that's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, you know, a referendum before, you know, any sort of United Ireland is going to come around because it's just, it's a democratic way of doing it. You know, if people want to do it, then it should be, you know, go ahead with it if it gets, the, you know, the people have chosen Oh, and then still on, and here's this from Mary Lou MacDonald, you know, the leader of Sinn Féin. Uh, 
uh, has said that everything, including potential concessions to unionists over the Irish flag and the national anthem, will be up for discussion in order to reach agreement north and south on a potential United Ireland. Uh, McDonald uh, spoke to reporters in Limerick uh, last week before addressing farmers at the annual general meeting of the Irish Creamery and Milk Suppliers Association. McDonald was asked for her reaction to new research from the Irish Times, which we have just mentioned, which showed that many voters in the Republic were unwilling to make concessions to unionists and to accommodate them in a potential United Ireland. Interesting. Almost half all the voters said that changes to the, the, the anthem and flag would make them less likely to vote for United Ireland in a referendum in, a referendum in the Republic. McDonald initially responded that the data shows that the issue of health and economic well-being far outplay any of the legitimate issues around flags or anthems. And I think we need to be careful here not to always reach out for the old reliables of flag and anthem. Good honour. There's more important things, you know, like people's health and well-being, cost of living problems to be sorted out first. Of course, we need to talk about these things, but people are very sensible and they know in their day-to-day lives that health care and health provision, economic well-being, that's what really counts at the end of the day. Above all else, I think it is now perfectly clear that, uh, that, we, that we start planning for United Ireland. And I agree with that because I think it's going to happen, you know, because of the UK pulling out of uh, the EU. Uh, people have lots to say, people have lots of ideas on these issues, but it has been uh, my personal experience for a long time that when people come to talk to Sinn Féin about reunification, north and south, the number one issue is health, is always health and housing. Interestingly, there is an appetite for an all-Ireland national health system. You know, it was a good idea. She said concentrating the, the conversation on the Irish flag and the national anthem uh, it's the wrong way to come to look to, uh, to look to the future. I don't think that's a conversation that's going to happen at all, because I think it's in everyone's interest that we have a, you know a properly resourced, accessible health service in particular. That's the main issue. For me, it captures the orange and the green, the two great traditions on the island. And uh, but let me reap. Reap this. This is a real conversation. This isn't an abstraction. Never, never, never fourth greenfield position. Right. We need to start talking about how we can organise the service that we all rely on. So good on you, Mary Lou MacDonald. Talking about a common sense, really. It's kind of lacking in the world in which we live. Um, what have we got here? Oh, this is about Northern Ireland. I find this really interesting. You know, it's taken a long time to get around yet. Legislation uh, to give the Northern Ireland uh, Secretary powers to cut Assembly's members' salaries has passed all of its hurdles at Westminster. But it remains unclear when Chris Heaton Myers could uh, choose to impose a pay cut. The legislation was also um, will have to receive royal assent before it comes uh, it comes into force, but that is merely a formality. Last week, during a debate in the House of Commons, Mr. Hurton uh, Ma Harris said he would act rapidly. He's always saying rapidly, but. A bit slower than that, to cut uh, the wages of the members of the local authority. He previously indicated that he would move to impose a reduction of 27.5%, or just over £14,000. It's about $30,000. Reducing their income from £51,000 uh, to £37,000. The bill will uh, extend the time period for parties to return to power sharing uh, government at Stormont. So it's given them a bit of a breather to actually you know, for the DUP to get its act together and get into this, uh, the Assembly, or else <clears throat> the wage cut will definitely t- take place. If nothing changes by the extended deadline, 
Uh, and he's talking about an election by April the 13th this time because they were talking about one before Christmas, but that was completely beyond the pale. People were not remotely interested. The legislation will also clarify the, the limited decision-making powers that the civil servants now have in the absence of ministers. Actual revisions are being made to allow a, a regional rate to be set should an executive not in place as well as powers for the approval of some public appointments. During Monday's debate, the Lords, uh, at Lords, in the Lords rather, Barnas Ritchie, a former SDLP minister, said the bill represents a further manifestation of political failure. That's the truth is, it's just been total failure in the North. It is uh, the Secretary of State putting a a sticking plaster in a running sore. Former DUP Education Minister Lord Weir gave his first speech since taking office some time ago. <coughs> he described the bill <coughs> as a reluctant necessity brought about by the failure to deal with problems caused by the protocol. Hold on to that, pal. You know, the European Union and the British government got more on the plate than the Northern Ireland Protocol. Holding an election at the moment would act as a distraction from solving issues, but we would also... Also, not tell tells anything different. We are out, and we have to. The, the protocol has got to go. A first, uh, a first attempt to elect a new speaker will be made during uh, last Wednesday. It failed, by the way. Sinn Féin pr- proposed a motion to bring it back, uh, bring the to debate the cost of living crisis. It was backed by the SDLP and the Alliance. The UK and European Union remain in talks about a protocol in the hopes of getting a deal to suit uh, both sides. The culture, language and identity bill was also received royal assent. The new bill will give the Irish language official status, uh, allow the use of Irish language in courts and see the appointment of an Irish Ulster, Scots Ulster British commissioners. Irish language campaign uh, group uh, Dream that described the legislation as an historic day because it would be like trying to ban Maori here, you know, to be used in courts or in hospitals etc, etc. And uh, it was, because I can, when I grew up, I remember, yeah, this is a long time ago, by the way, uh, you know, speaking the Irish language was worth um, time in prison, because you were deemed to be a Republican or a danger to society, you know. And matter, <clears throat> most people weren't, they just learnt the language. And for something completely different, Derry Girls creator Lisa McGee has vowed to continue to write about the place I love, the place I call home. Writer was awarded the freedom of the Derry, uh, the freedom of Derry City and Straban at a ceremony there last Monday. Miss McGee becomes the first woman to receive the council's highest honour. It's an honour and a privilege to be recognised in a city steeped in history and in full of storytellers. Speaking at the ceremony at, at Derry's Guildhall, Miss McGee said, "I am immensely proud to be from Derry as a writer working in television and understanding that totally tough to break into." And to survive in and to bring Derry Girls has been a huge, you know, achievement, uh, personal achievement for me. It is a city steeped in, like I said, storytellers, etc., etc. It has been the greatest privilege to be, to be able to write about the Derry Girls. The sitcom has, uh, she added, allowed her to showcase our amazing sense of humour, our warmth and our humanity. I'm going to continue to write about this place. I come from, I come from the place. I love it. Derry's mayor, Sandra Duffy, told the sermon that Miss McGee had captured the city and its people, our unique, our unique humour, warmth and resilience, and shared, shared it with the global audience. We are hugely proud of you. You have successfully boosted civic pride and given us all the opportunity to embrace our Derryness. Uh, the award was presented by the Social Democratic and Liberal Party councillor, Martin Riley. 
uh, speaking earlier in the, on Monday, Mr. said would, said the ceremony would be an opportunity for the city to show how proud we are of Lisa and the work that she has done for the good city of London, Derry, or Derry. And what I've got talking about, sort of entertainment in a way. U2, yes, the band U2, among new inductees to the Kennedy Centre Honours. U2 were among the newest Kennedy Centre Honours, honorees rather, during a glamorous evening last week. The Kennedy Centre Honours were given to those in the performing arts for their lifetime of contribution to American culture. Speaking at a White House reception before the the honours, U.S. President Joe Biden said, from this Irish-American president in in the White House, designed by Irish hands, I want to thank you too for all you have done. You really made a difference. During the main event at the Kennedy Centre, Washington Performing Arts Complex, that serves as a living monument to slain Kennedy, uh, President John F. Kennedy, the the inductors were honoured with seats in the Opera Opera House's presidential box. You two and uh, George Cleary were among those honorees, honorees, along with soul singer Gladys Knight, Cuban-born American composer Tanya Leon, and contemporary Christian pop artist Amy Grant. They were the 45th annual class to receive the highest uh, U.S. Arts Award. And after the group of stars enjoyed a special weekend in the American capital, honoring their illustrious careers, they joined the president, Biden, and his wife, his first lady, Jill Biden, along with many other politicians, including Nancy Pelosi and her husband, who was making a public appearance after being violently attacked and hospitalized uh, not so long ago. He was nearly murdered, getting hammered by a, getting hammered by a hammer. Yeah, so uh, Eddie Valdir of the uh, the band, rock band Pearl Jam, led a rollicking tribute to U2's vast songbook, singing the hit Elevations. So with all in all, it sounded like they all had a brilliant night. And uh, actually, Sean Penn was also praised for members of the band. Uh, mean, meanwhile, Clooney, accompanied by his human, right, his human rights wife, lawyer, Amel Clooney, who stood, who stood in, a, in a glittering silver gown, told Curtis on the red carpet that the event, which he had grown up watching on television, was exciting. He does a lot of good work, that guy, Clooney. To give him credit. So what else have we got here? Yeah, I remember last week I mentioned, if you were listening, about this dog had attacked this kid down over there in um, Escort thing. And you know, did some serious damage to this young young child. A woman has been arrested in connection with the, the an incident in which a young boy was attacked by a dog in County Wexford. This incident happened on uh, Sunday, the twenty seventh of November, and in a scorthing. Uh, he was playing with his friends in a housing estate in Scorthy when he was attacked by a dog, a pit bull cross. He has been left with life life changing injuries. Uh, police uh, had to have today arrested a woman aged in her 30s in connection with the incident. She's currently detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act 1984 at the NSCRT police station. Uh, they have confirmed that they had arrested him, excuse me, they had arrested a man in his 20s in relation to the, as well, in the incident in Scorthy. He was detained at the, the police station in Scorthy, and investigations are continuing. So that was. Uh, it was a soft photograph, soft it when I was downloading this off the net, and that poor wee child was in deep trouble. And after all the glorious stuff about High Ireland is wonderful, this is uh, another opinion piece. The poor state of public services in Ireland is not the fault of refugees, because there's been a lot of, you know, <clears throat> a lot of these kind of 
oh, so the people that we have in America who are really anti-everything, you know, vaccines, etc., etc. So they want to take us back to the past, to the beginning of time. And they've got nothing but dislike and hatred towards, you know, what people they call foreigners, you know, who have been refugees, who have sought refuge and safety in Ireland with their families, which is good because Ireland, Irish people have been around the world seeking refuge and safety from troubles like starvation, etc., etc., as well as political issues. Europe is facing one of the biggest migratory uh, crises ever recorded since Russia invaded Ukraine. More than 50,000 refugees have arrived in Ireland. Uh, the initial response to Ukraine refugees arriving here was powerful to witness. Communities across the country opened their arms to them. The government's response was swift as it moved to open the country's doors to U- Ukrainian refugees, providing them with temporary protection status. Uh, this allowed Ukrainian refugees to live and work in Ireland initially for up to one year, as well as having access to social welfare, accommodation and other state supports. Well, they have to, they don't have anything else, and completely, literally the clothes on their backs. <clears throat> While the immig- uh, immigrant, council, uh, immig- yeah, immigrant council is fully supportive of the government's action, welcome refugees to Ireland, the reality of the situation that we now left with a two-tier asylum system for refugees. Refugees coming from Ukraine have direct access to, the, like we said, the right to work, etc., etc., etc. However, non-Ukrainians do not have the, the same benefits. Uh, and the same access to those uh, services. Recently, I was with a refugee from Syria. You know, what is the difference between people from Ukraine and others seeking help from other war-torn cities, or countries, rather? Everyone should be treated equally. Yes, yes. With a lot of sadness and heraldry, she uh, showed the challenge of living in a hotel and the long and challenging journey she underwent to get to Ireland in the first place. Uh, once here, she's described how various policies made the, ab- the adoption process very complicated. She has relatives in Germany and has no idea when she will be able to see them. Being able to visit family and friends, have, uh, have them visit Ireland is also a, a problem. If we compare the welcome the Ukrainian refugees uh, get compared to uh, other people, refugees from other parts of Europe and other, you know, Africa and uh, sort of yeah, the Middle East in particular. The Immigrant Council of Ireland supports policies of inclusion and wholeheartedly backs the government's actions to welcome refugees from uh, Ukraine. But they should be helping the hand, you know, helping others who are in similar situations, desperate, and who need assistance in having access to health, etc., etc., and some kind of welfare payment of some description so they have a roof over their head and uh, they're not going to starve. Anyway, that's all for me, and I'll see you next week, and that'll be the last show of the year, because it'll be, as you know, it's Christmas, and it's starting to get a bit busier. You know, I find Christmas, personally, this is the best part of Christmas to me, is the build-up, once it actually arrives, it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a downer. Anyway, I'll see you later, okay? And take care, and be kind of one. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.